Well, welcome back to our, um, our series, Be the Light. This is part four uh, in the series that we started just a few weeks ago. And um, I want to welcome our online audience. Thank you guys for joining us too from wherever you are. Glad that you're here as well. Jesus said, I have come um, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And this morning, I just want to encourage each and every one of you, if you have never uh, opened your heart and received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you and invite you this morning to do exactly that. He has come that we can live new lives. Amen? And I hope that you will open up, regardless of where you've been or what you've done or where your past has taken you, God is willing to give you a fresh, brand new start today. And I hope that you'll take that. And if you'd like to talk more about that, you contact me. I'd be love to have that conversation with you. But if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, are you letting that light that he has given you shine through you? That's what we've been talking about. In Matthew 5, this same Jesus who once declared that he was the light of the world turned to us as his disciples, and now he says to us, you are the light of the world. The only light that this world is going to see is what they find in us. A few weeks ago when we, when we kicked this off, we talked about the fact that we need, if, if we're going to be the light, then we need to power up. In other words, we need to lean into God's word. We need to lean into him in prayer. We need to absorb that light because we don't have any light of our own. We can only reflect what he gives us. Amen. That makes sense. And so we need to do that. The second week of this series, we, we talked about doing acts of kindness. Uh, Jesus said, uh, to, when he talked about being the light of the world, he said, uh, live out your life in such a way that people will see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. And we talked about this big idea of going around like Jesus did and simply doing good. That the greatest way that the world sees him in us is when we act in loving and kind ways. I, I love it when I, when I preached that, that message a few weeks ago. Um, that Right after church, I was at a restaurant with my wife and um, one of our parishioners here uh, were in the restaurant and they saw us and they paid for our lunch as an act of kindness that way. Now, I just want to go on record to say, uh, as you do acts of kindness, if you do acts of kindness for your pastor, you get double dibs with God. I just want to, I, I just, I just want to say that. He, he told me that. You get double dibs. So I just, I just wanted to pass that along. Some of you are kind of behind on that, and you need to, you need to amp up a little bit. Last week, we talked about the fact that we're, we are also to share his mission. And uh, in Acts 1-8, Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses in all the world. And we talked about uh, the fact that each of us have a God story. And that we just need to be open and aware of when God might want to use our God story. And I just want to say this again to you. It is not your Bible knowledge that the people around you really need. What they need to know is what Christ has done for you. Because that's the most powerful thing you can ever say or share. Well, let's get to part four today. I want you to take your sermon outline out. I want to look at another part of how we can each be the light. So if you want to take your sermon outline out of your worship folder, you can track along with me, or you can take notes, or you can doodle to keep yourself awake. You do whatever, whatever is good for you. Let's look at a passage of Scripture together that Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what he says. He says, our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up uh, only one body. When they, are all, uh, when they are all put together. So it is with the body of Christ. Each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. 
And what would you think if you heard an ear say, back, can I just say, if I heard my ear talking to me at all, it would freak me out a little bit. But if you heard, if you heard an ear say, I am not a part of the body because I am only an ear and not an eye. Well, would, you, would it make that any less a part of the body? Or suppose the whole body were an eye. Then how would you hear? Or if your whole body were just one big ear, how could you smell anything? But that isn't the way God has made us. He has made us many parts for our body. Uh, he has made us, had made many parts for our bodies and has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it only had one part. So he has made many parts, but it's still only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, here is what I'm trying to say. Would you read this out loud with me? All of you together are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Each one of you is a what? Read that again. Separate and necessary part of it. Now, that's a piece of theology that I, I really want you to, to think about today. Um, how many of you are like me, and as you're getting older, you have more and more of your body parts that aren't functioning as well as they used to? Yeah, isn't that really annoying, you know? And, and we find, you know, we begin to miss how our body used to all work. Well, and that's kind of how we is when we talk about, you know, the church. As a church, we are one body in Christ, but each of us have a different role and a different place to play. And yet, when, when parts of the body aren't functioning, we're not at full strength. So I want to challenge you today to think about three questions. Here we go. Throw the first one up on the screen. Number one, what are the gifts and talents God has given you? Um, and early on in, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the fact that the Spirit of God as he lives in us gives to each of us gifts and talents to function as a part of the body. And here's my question. What gifts or talents have God given you? Have you thought about that? Have you recognized those? Have you uh, owned up to those? Secondly, where are the best places for you to use them? When you think about the gifts and talents you have, where might they best fit in? And then here's the third question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You know, there's a principle in life. It's called the Pareto principle, the 80-20 principle. How many of you have heard of that? It's an old Italian economist who had this idea about 20% of our effort really gives us 80% of our return. And that principle has carried through life to where you find in many organizations and churches are exactly the same that, you know, it's 20% of the people who do 80% of the work. It's 20% of the people who give 80% of the income. It's 20% of the people who fill 80% of the roles. It's 20% of the people who eat 80% of the food at a potluck dinner. You know, it's just kind of a, that Pareto principle kind of, some of you will get that about three o'clock today. That'll, that'll sink in. But it's that principle, that, but that's not the way it ought to be because when the body operates that way, we're not functioning the way Christ wants us to be. I believe that we have this one life to live and we ought to live it with everything that we have. Amen. In fact, I saw this quote last week. I just absolutely love this from Hunter Thompson. Look at that. It says, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. I love that. And I hope you feel exactly the same way. I want to I unpack this uh, idea of serving today. 
and really challenge you to think about, God, how might you use me in the kingdom of God? You ready? Here we go. Let me give you the first thought. Throw it up on the screen for me. God wants to do more than forgive us our past. He wants us to fulfill his purposes. God wants to do more than forgive our past. He wants to us to fulfill his purposes. You know, when I begin to, to think about this, what does it really mean to be a Christ follower? What does it really mean to be a Christian? You know, a lot of times we talk about coming to Christ because he will forgive our past. And I'm grateful for his grace. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we have a God who's willing to forgive us of whatever we've done. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I am so thankful that he's willing to wipe that past away. But do you do understand that it's not just about your past that Christ came to live and die? He also wants you to live a different way with purposes and plans that he has for you. In fact, I love how Paul said it in Ephesians. Throw that up on it. It said, it it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. Now read this out loud. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in, we should spend these lives how? And helping others. In other words, it wasn't just about being forgiven and being made new. It was about now stepping in and saying, God, what do you have for me and how might you use me? I saw the story. I just thought this was so incredible. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. How many of you would love to have that car? Yeah, I would. That's a 1996 Mercedes SL500. Uh, This car uh, two years ago um, went up on the auction block in London And uh, a car like that would normally sell at an auction of that age uh, for about $7,000. It's a very expensive car, but it would normally sell for about $7,000. But this car sold for a little more because this is a picture of the odometer. Throw that picture up on the screen. How many miles does that have on it? Anybody can read an odometer in here? How many miles does that car have on it? Say it out loud. 80. 80. 80 miles, 1996, they sold it at the auction in 2017, it had 80 miles on it. You know why? This car was given to a woman as a birthday gift. Boy, I wish I had friends or family like that. Uh, It was given to her as a birthday gift. Uh, She drove it uh, from wherever she got the car, she drove it to a garage in London, and she parked it. And uh, didn't come back to it for a couple days. And when she did come back, she realized she had lost the key to the car. Now, you could take the VIN number and the title and you can go to a dealership uh, and get a new key made. I mean, it's not easy, but you can do it. And the keys aren't expensive, but if you can afford a car like that, you can afford a new key for a car like that. Um, But she didn't. She never never got it. This car sat in a garage for 20 years. 20 years. It was never driven. In fact, when they finally decided to put it up for auction, they actually had to take the gaskets and stuff out of it and relube them because it all dried up from sitting in a garage for 20 years. Can I just say, that car was not meant to sit in a garage. That car was meant to be mine. (laughs) That car was meant for me to have the top down, baby, and cruising down the highway with my satellite radio blasting. That's what great gifts like that are for. Now, get this. God did not give precious gifts to you to sit in your personal garage for 20 years. 
I think one of the most horrifying experiences of life would be for us to finally one day meet God face to face and him look at all of these untapped, unused resources that he made available to us and we never took them out of the garage. Look at me, gang. You know I love you. I really do. But you weren't saved to sit. You were saved to serve. Amen? You betcha. Let me give you another piece. When I was thinking about this whole idea of serving, another thing that really hit me that I think some of you will be able to identify with is that serving gives us a chance to pay it forward. Serving gives us a chance to pay it forward. Now, let's stop for a second. How many of you can look back um, across the years of your life How many of you can identify some very specific people and because of the role that they played and their service to God, they came alongside of you at a very strategic and specific time when you needed them and you are where you are today and who you are today because there were some people who filled those roles. How many of you can identify some people in your path? I'll bet most of us could. You know, I love the old poster I saw one time. It said, if you see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by itself, you know? And for a lot of us, man, that's our story. You know, we were, we were, we were turtles that had very little on our own, and somebody helped lift us to places where we could never get by ourselves. And I, I started to think about this idea, you know, that when, when we serve, one of the great things is we get to pay forward that investment that people put in our lives. Um, when Paul was writing to Timothy, throw that passage up on the screen. When Paul was writing to Timothy, he told him this, he said it this way. He said, you know, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now read it with me. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. In other words, you've been given a gift. Now give that gift, keep that gift going. Um, a week ago, Thursday, I had the privilege of uh, getting to share at Ann Radabaugh's funeral. Ann's an older gal in our church who passed away here recently. And when I was getting ready to do her funeral, there was um, a young man, or not so young anymore, but a friend of mine who had been in Ann's youth group when she was a volunteer. And he asked me if uh, he gave me a letter. And he said, if you have a place to share this, he goes, I, I just want to share with you what Ann did for me. And in his letter that I shared uh, that day at the funeral, He talked about a a very specific youth trip that they took uh, to International Youth Convention in Denver. And he talked about how Anne and her husband, Gene, were volunteers who just helped with the youth. But there was a a situation on that trip that where Anne was able to kind of pull him aside and and have a conversation for him that he described as absolutely life-changing. And he talked about the difference that that made for him and how he learned so much from her in that moment in time. In fact, he talked about how as he got, became an adult and as he got involved in the church and as he began to serve as a youth counselor, how for him it was a way of him paying back what Anne had done, had done for him. And, and I totally get that because I know I wouldn't be here doing this if I hadn't had some people in my life like that as well. You know, several years back I had a chance to speak at a uh, men's retreat in Ohio for the state of Ohio. And uh, I grew up, uh, for some of you remember, I, I grew up in, in Ohio and, and had a family that was um, a little bit uh, chaotic at times. And 
the church became my family. And I had so many people from the church who poured into me and helped me uh, through those very volatile years. And now I'm back speaking at the state men's retreat. And I had several men from our church that I'd grown up in that were there. And and I'm sitting across the table from guys who worked with youth when I was a kid. And, and uh, they were telling me, they were saying, you know, Steve, we are so proud of you. We can't believe the, you know, the man you've become. And now you get to travel and speak like this. And we're just so proud of who you are. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm flashing back to the, to the time I spent in their homes. I'm flashing back to the youth meetings that we had. And some of these guys who came alongside me, man, when my life was spinning out of control and they put an arm around me and they counseled me and they encouraged me and they reprimanded me and they helped me. And I started bawling sitting at this table and I said, do you have any idea that I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing if you hadn't done what you did? Let me tell you the realization I've made. I'm in debt up to here to the people in my life who have made me who I am. Anything that I give back, honey, I'm just paying it forward. Amen? I'm just paying it forward. That's a great part of serving. Let me give you another one. And I'm going to push on you just a little bit. Please stop making excuses why you can't serve and ask God to show you how you can. Stop making excuses like, I, I know, when I start talking about serving, I, we, we, all, we all like to kind of deflect that, and, and we, we come up with a thousand excuses. Ah, I'm, I'm too busy, or, or, or you know, I, I don't know where to plug in, or, or I, you know, I don't have, you know, I'm just, I'm not that smart, or, you know, I don't have any college training, and, I, you know, and, we, and we go through this litany, I'm, I'm too young, I'm too old, and we just go through a thousand excuses, and we, we forget. It's not about us at all. It's about God. It's not about our ability. It's about simply making ourselves available to a God who can move through us. I love what it says about Jesus' disciples. Throw that up on the screen. Acts 4, 13. Read this out loud. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, I don't care who you are. There are all kinds of places that you can serve. God can use you no matter what. I love this. Let me give you two good stories. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's an 11-year-old named uh, Adviak and uh, lives in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, Earlier this month uh, in January, he and uh, several others were uh, at an indoor pool uh, at an apartment complex in St. Paul. And um, all of a sudden, somebody yelled, and they looked, and at the deep end of the water, there was a man floating down by the bottom. Uh, he was out. He was, his arms were outstretched. His eyes were open. His mouth was open. And everybody started screaming, but nobody did anything. There are like nine adult men standing around this pool. Nobody moving. None of them can swim. And Adviak's mother who heard the screaming, came running out. She saw what was going on, and she remembered Adviak had had a, a swim class, and he had learned how to dive to the bottom and get to rings, and she said, Adviak, you can do this. And this 11-year-old, 80-pound boy dove into the water, went to the bottom, grabbed this man by the arm, made his way back up to the top, got him close enough to the side 
where his father was able to grab the guy's arm and pull him out of the water. And his uncle, who had never performed CPR in his life, never had a CPR guy, but he had watched ER on TV, started doing CPR on this guy. And they kept him, got him going enough that by the time the EMTs got there, the EMTs were able to save this guy's life. Aviak wasn't a lifeguard. He wasn't fully trained. He'd had a swim class. But he did what he could do, and it saved a life. Amen? It saved a life. I, I hear people say, well, you know, I, I used to serve in the church, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there in years now, and, you know, I don't have as much to offer. Yeah, I know sometimes our roles have to change. Trust me, as I'm getting older, I'm finding my energy levels aren't as high as they used. I, I get all of that, but I believe God still has a place for every one of us. In fact, this, this woman has become my hero. Throw her picture up on there. <laughs> this is Ruth. Um, Ruth uh, is also from Minneapolis, um, she and her husband, when she moved there, she started volunteering uh, in various places around the community. Uh, she volunteered uh, in uh, some schools. Um, she volunteered in hospitals. And uh, about 30 years ago, she connected with, she's a, she's a Jewish lady, she connected with her temple and started actually reading to kids in, her, her, uh, in the school there and also in the public schools for a while. Throw that next picture up on the screen. She actually was, was teaching cooking classes. She discovered that a lot of young women don't know how to cook. And, uh, and, and so she, she started offering cooking classes to teach young ladies how to cook. And she did that for a number of years. Now, every Tuesday, she goes to, throw that next picture up. Every Tuesday, she goes to Temple Israel on Tuesday mornings. And for two and a half hours, she goes to seven different uh, grade schools, uh, uh, kindergarten classes. And she reads to the kids for two and a half hours. Then she goes from there to a public school just down the street and there she actually helps serve snacks and she works with the kids in the public school in the afternoon. She does that every Tuesday. Look at me. She's 108 years old. Somebody say, wow. 108 years old. And yet here she is still doing this every single week of her life. And her attitude, I just absolutely love, because she is committed that she is going to live until she dies. And I'm reading her story, and I'm just, I'm just saying, oh God, make me like that. Here's a woman four years ago when she was a measly 104, they gave her the key to the city because they didn't think she would live very long. <laughs> Here she is. She's going to outlive the people who gave it to her. I promise you. I just love that. Let me give you, let me give you one more thought. Small roles often have the most impact. It's the small roles. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll, I'll have somebody after a sermon or after a service or something, they'll Say, Pastor Steve, I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know how you get up there and preach and do that. And sometimes we think that roles like this are the important stuff. You're absolutely wrong. You know, I'll bet if you if went back, I'll bet most of you can't remember three sermons in the past 10 years that I preached. But I'll bet many of you can remember conversations that we had. Some of you will remember times that I prayed with you or called you and talked to you. 
Some of you remember very specific moments in time. Here, here's all I want you to understand. Not that preaching isn't important, not that any of these things aren't good things to do. I wanna, what I want to suggest to you, though, sometimes it's very little things that make incredible differences in people's lives. You know, we have a, in the lobby where our ministry fair, we've got all these tables, and a lot of these roles aren't real sexy kinds of roles. I mean, some of it's being a greeter, or, or some of it's like whiz kids where you get to read to a kid, read to, read to a kid in, in an afternoon. But do you have any idea the kind of impact that makes on kids' lives, the change that happens when they know they're valued and somebody teaches them how to read, or even being a greeter? I remember in Phoenix... I, I, we did three services on Sunday morning in Phoenix, and you know, between two of the services, one, I came out through the backstage area, and I was walking out to, the, to go outdoors in the patio area to get some air, and there was a woman who kind of walked by the glass door, and I didn't recognize her. Um, it really wasn't unusual. We were a large church, and there are a lot of people that you know, kind of came and went that I didn't really know. And, um, but that particular day, I stood outside, I got some air, but when I came back in, I came in the lobby, this woman was standing there with a bulletin in her hand and reading, and I didn't recognize, so I, I just walked up, and I said, hi, I'm Steve, and she told me her name, and we're just, we're just visiting, and she saw my little mic sticking up through my shirt, my little lapel mic, and, um, and she goes, are you the preacher? And I said, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry, this is as good as it gets right here, and, uh, and she grabbed me and hugged me, and she said, I know I'm already, I already know I'm going to love your church. She said, do you know that I've had no fewer than five people who have walked up to me, asked me my name, told me they were glad they're here, that I was here, and made sure that I had a bulletin in my hand. Now, I want you to get this. This woman has not heard one, one word of my sermon. She's not heard one note of our music, and yet she is already making up her mind about being open to God and open to our church simply because I had some greeters that didn't know any better than to do their job really well. All they did was walk up and to ask her name. All they did was give her a smile and, and, and ask her if she had a bulletin, ask her if she needed anything. All they did was something very simple that anyone could do, but that particular day as they did it for her, it made a difference in her life. Man, don't you ever minimize being a greeter, working in a kitchen, helping in a kid's class. I'm telling you, it's the little things that we do that make a big difference. I love the story that Jesus told, that's just told in John chapter 6, though the passage up on the screen. If you remember the story, there were 5,000 people that were there to eat. And they said, where are we going to get money to, to do this? And Jesus said, you collect it. And look at, look at what happens. He said, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Read that question. But what good is that with this huge crowd? He looked at this little meager gift. What, what good is this? Look at me. You take something little and you put it in the hands of God, all of a sudden it becomes really big. We don't know this kid's name. What did he do? How did he shake history? He offered his lunch. He shared what he had. And here we are still talking about him 2,000 years later. So don't you dare ever minimize what little part God may give you. I saw this video um, last week. Some of you may have seen it. It went viral. But this is just an incredible story. It's a, um, a young lady who works for FedEx. And as she was making deliveries, God nudged her to do something really out of the ordinary as a FedEx driver. And 
I want you to see the impact that it made and what happened in the story. Let's play that video, please. One simple prayer. One simple act of obedience to the moving of God. And I promise you, that woman that she prayed for will never forget what this young lady did. It's not hard to serve. It's very easy. You just have to be willing to give up a little bit of who you are and a little bit of your time. But if you put that in God's hands, I promise you, he'll bless that beyond what you could ever imagine. You know, as we leave here today, um, there are tables out in the lobby, lots of ministries of things that we have going on here at Chartel. There's some, our ministries like Whiz Kids and Gideons and our Christian educators that are things that we're connected with here in our community. God may be laying something else on your heart. I don't really care where you serve, but I want to challenge you. Go be that light that God has called us to be by serving. Let me pray for you. Father, today, as we Uh, leave this place. Thank you that you love us enough that when we come to you, you make us and call us the children of God because that's what we really are. But thank you that beyond that, Lord, you, you give us this incredible privilege of working alongside of you in the things that you're doing here on earth. Sometimes when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we, we forget that we are your tools. We are your hands and your feet Sometimes, Lord, when we get mad, when we look around at the world, and like the Matthew West song, when we shake our fist and say, do something, we forget that you did. You created us, and you gifted us. Lord, my prayer for each and every person here is that they will find places to serve, places to make themselves available, places where you will use them like you used Amanda in this video. And sometimes remembering that it's the very simple touches of life that sometimes change people for eternity. Lord, we love you. Be with us and we pray in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen.